Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I was thinking about this, and uh, in my history of, uh, of pastoring, uh, there are two ways to really reduce the size of your church population uh, on any given Sunday. The first one is to have bad weather. Uh, the second one is to invite another preacher to come and speak. So uh, I totally get it. So, but you guys won. You really won. I'm hoping that today, as we finish up uh, the service, that you'll be glad you came. I really trust that that's going to be the case this morning. So uh, on behalf of my family to your church and your families, I just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you. It's great to be here with you. Um, maybe your Christmas was crazy. Uh, I know our Christmas, we had several things going on. Uh, one thing that's new for us this Christmas is that we have a foreign exchange student from Berlin, Germany. We're hosting for this school year, and it's been great to have her. We've learned some things from her, and I think maybe she's learning from us. Uh, it's, been, it's been really a, a joy to have her. And um, so we had our, our family Christmas this past Christmas Day, and when I opened my stocking, I got something in there. Uh, it's called The World's Greatest Collection of Dad Jokes. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever read this before. If you haven't, uh, I didn't either. But I thought, I'm going to give this one to my kids right away. Okay, so I opened it up, and I, the very first one I read was just like spot on. Okay, and so, but it really relates to church today, so I thought I would bring it to you and see what you think. Dads, you might love it, you might hate it, everybody else, just groan with me, okay? All right. So here it is. <clears throat> An elderly woman walked to the sanctuary door where the deacon, serving as usher, greeted her. Where would you like to sit? The deacon asked. The front row, please, the woman answered. You really don't want to do that, the deacon replied. The pastor is pretty boring. The woman's eyes narrowed. Do you know who I am? She responded. No. I'm the pastor's mother, she replied furiously. Do you know who I am? He asked. No, she said. Good, as he bolted out the door. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Thank you for humoring me with that laughter. I appreciate that. But seriously, thank you. I'm glad to be here this morning. So Christmas, I don't know about your life and your family, but Christmas can be crazy, can't it? Uh, some of you, I, I, I want to ask you to be just very vulnerable with me. How many of you are like uh, crazy Christmasers? Like just nuts about it. You think about it all year long. You cannot wait for Christmas. Is there anybody willing to admit that? Some of you? Yeah, my family. Right. We're excited about Christmas. Sometimes you're excited about Christmas. And it, leading up to it, you just can't wait for it to come. You know, the anticipation of seeing family and getting all that food. We've had lots of food. I'm full today because I still have food in me. We're excited about Christmas. Some of us, we just can't wait for it to come. Christmas isn't the only thing that we don't like to wait for. I was speaking with Sheldon this morning before the service, and we're talking about our culture and how crazy it is that we're all kind of in this mentality that things have to be fast and now. For example, um, I drove through uh, the McDonald's not too long ago. It was a breakfast uh, that I was going for, and I don't know if you've seen it, but they have this sign that says Monday through Friday between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., they guarantee your meal within 60 seconds. 
I'm like, I'm going to try this, right? So I pull up, and, and I get to the first window after I've ordered, and I'm paying, right? And she hands me this, like an egg timer, maybe you'd call it. It's a one-minute one uh, sand timer. So she flipped it over, so all the sand's on top, and it's starting to drip through, and she handed it to me and said, now you pull up to the next window, and you hand this to that person who gives you your bag, and if it is gone by the time you get your bag, then we will, I think they'll comp the meal or something. I'm like, oh, let's give this a shot. So I grab that egg timer, I drive forward, and I go like this, and boom, here comes my meal, there goes the egg timer, and I'm out of there in 60 seconds or less. I don't know about you, but I can't make an egg McMuffin in my microwave in 60 seconds or less, Right? We want things fast. We don't want to wait for them. Everybody knows that that's the way our culture runs. Anybody have Amazon Prime? Yeah, I love Amazon Prime. I think we got our money's worth because not only do you have to wait five days to get your package, now you can only wait two days, right? And it's free. It's free that you get this stuff because we don't want to wait for that good thing that we could have waited five days, but no. With Christmas, you can't wait five days. It's two days, we got to get it. Pastor Rue talked about, uh, about his Disney Plus love. Remember that? He was talking about binge-watching his, his comics. Uh, we love to binge-watch. If you have Netflix, you know what that's like. You used to wait a week before your next episode, right? Remember that? You used to have to wait a week before you could click that dial and turn on the thing you wanted to see. But now we get to see it whenever we want and as much as we want because we don't want to wait. We don't like to wait. See, waiting is not only difficult in our physical life, but it's really difficult when it comes to our relational life. You think about having to wait for your, your child that is maybe in tough relationship with you or another uh, to be able to come around and you're praying and hoping that something's going to happen in that relationship that is good and positive. Maybe it's in your spouse or ex-spouse that you just wish that they would see how things really are and how things ought to be. And you're just waiting and longing for something to happen and it feels like you can't use that egg timer on this. Maybe it's in your spirituality. Maybe you're just waiting for the Lord to do a miracle in your life or in your relationships. Maybe you just want him to come off these pages and into your face and into your heart. Our waiting can be so difficult and so taxing, and many of us in our culture, we just don't know how to wait. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles up to Isaiah chapter 64, uh, just a brief history of Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet of God in the people of God, known as the Israelites. And this prophet knew that something was coming if they didn't turn their ways back to God. And so Isaiah is a prophet saying, you will be taken from your land and given to the Babylonians if you don't change your ways. And when we get into chapter 64, we see Isaiah himself addressing the Lord, and we get to be a part of what he is speaking to God. And here's what he says. I'm reading out of the NLT version, and um, would you please follow with me? <clears throat> oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. 
then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome deeds beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Waiting on God is something that we must learn to do and do well. You see, what's interesting about this passage is that when we wait for God, He works for us. Did you catch that? When we are waiting on the Lord, He is working for us. See, there is no other religious uh, um, background or religious expression in the world that says that if you wait on their God, that God will work for them. That is unique to the Christian God. Every other God, you work for God, and hopefully he will work for you on your behalf. If you do it right, then do it long enough. This ought to rock our world, that if we wait on him, he works for us. If you wait on him, he works for you. That's amazing. If we wait, he works. This whole concept of waiting has, uh, you know, the word is actually in Hebrew, um, and this Hebrew word has some uh, a little more flavor to it, okay? This flavor has to do with kind of binding oneself to another. Imagine yourself being tied by the wrists and that rope being tied around the waist of another person. And you are standing there at the mercy of that individual. Wherever they go, you go. But when they don't go, you don't go anywhere. That's kind of the mentality that this waiting on God has to do. Are we binding ourselves to God? Are we waiting for him to do what he's called us to do or to wait as he called us to wait? Every one of us is going to experience waiting on God in one point in time of our lives or another. You're either waiting for him to do something, or you're waiting for him to stop doing something. So I ask, what are you waiting on God for? Maybe a better question is, are you waiting? Author Jennifer Kennedy Dean, uh, in a book called 28 Days to Extraordinary Prayer, um, this was a book that my wife really enjoys, this author, and I gave her a book from, uh, for Christmas of hers, this one actually, and I opened it up and again, it just is like it just popped off the pages. You know that oftentimes when we're waiting on God, we often wait in prayer, right? Our prayer life has to do with our waiting on God, and this is where she steps in and talks about prayer and waiting. She says this, we like to see immediate results. We like for cause to produce effect. We like streamlined and efficient. We like to push a button and get what we're after. But prayer doesn't work that way. By God's purposeful design, prayer has waiting periods. Those waiting periods have purpose behind them. If prayer would work best by operating like a vending machine, you know, put in a prayer, get out an answer, then that's how prayer would work. But it doesn't. 
God has designed prayer as a process, not an activity. He is doing more than we are praying for. In surrender, we are cooperating with the work He's doing in us, not just for us. That's key. As we're praying for God to do something outside of us, God's desire is not only to do outside of us, His desire is to do within us. So I think I've made the point that waiting on God is incredibly important. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder how in the world do I wait on God? What does that look like, and how can I know if I'm doing it correctly? So today this service is talking about how to biblically wait on God. There are biblical ways that we can wait on God, and I have three um, examples of that. And so we're going to go through some Scripture. Uh, I'm going to have the Scripture references on the, the screen for you. If you'd like to just jot them down and look them up later, you can do that. I'll try to go through it uh, fairly slowly so that we're able to get there if you have your Bibles with you this morning. Uh, so the first Scripture we're going to look at, and the number one is we, biblical waiting on God is done patiently. It's done patiently. Psalms 27, verse 14 Psalms 27:14 says this, wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for him. You see patience isn't something that is needed day 1 and given day 2. It's not something that you need. Obviously we need it right now, but it's not going to be given to you in the next hour or day. It's something that is an expanse and it takes time. So as we wait on God, it's something that's going to take time. It's going to take an expanse of time and intentionality. Second scripture. Again, we're looking at being purposeful by being patient in prayer. Second scripture is Psalms 37.7. says this. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait, how? Patiently for Him to act. Be still and wait patiently. You see, it's interesting that he puts those two together, being still and waiting patiently. When I think of being still, I think of rest. Rest and wait on God. Resting and waiting. You see, you cannot hurry rest. You can't hurry rest. Final scripture for being patiently in waiting on the Lord is going to the New Testament in Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Paul says this, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. We wait patiently for God's promise to be filled, promises to be fulfilled. You see, it takes time, it takes endurance. Endurance isn't given in a day. When we're waiting on God for Him to work in us and through us, we wait patiently over an expanse of time. We know that God says that His ways are not our ways. 
And I believe his timing is not our timing. So the first way we biblically wait on God is patiently. The second way we biblically wait on God is expectantly. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 5 on this one. Psalms chapter 5. It says this, verse 3, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait expectantly. He's waiting expectantly. He's patiently waiting for God, but he's also expectant to see something happen. My family and I like to go up to, um, up to the North Shore every once in a while. We go into Duluth, and maybe you've been to this, but as you're going into Duluth on the hill on the left side, there's a, a tower way up there that you can see. Uh, this tower that I recall that I go to once in a while with my family is called Inger Tower. Uh, if you've been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's a great little um, place to hang out with your family and to see things. But if you climb that old fire tower to the top and you go out and look out that window, you're looking over Duluth Harbor and you're looking over the Lake Superior and it's just beautiful. And you've got this door, this window entry that is just so big. And what you have to do to see it well is you have to kind of lean in to get the full panoramic view. You have to lean in to get a little closer view to see much, much better. That's what waiting expectantly for God is. You're leaning in to see a little better. You ever done that? Maybe with a little child in Christmas, they're all excited, I got something to show you. What do you do? You lean in to get a little closer to see what they have to show you. So as we wait on God, are we expectant that he's going to do something to the point where we're leaning in to see better? Biblically, waiting on God is, number one, patient. Number two, it's expectant. And the third one is quiet. We're quietly waiting on God. Turn to Psalm chapter 62. Psalm chapter 62, verses 1 and verse 5. Psalm of David, he says this, I wait how? How does he say it right there? Quietly. I wait quietly before the Lord, for my victory comes from him. Verse 5, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. See, the psalm, the psalm of David is saying two significant things. When he's waiting on God quietly, two things come about. Number one, he has victory. Number two, he has hope. Some of you here today might be saying, I have no victory in my life. Everything seems to be down and out, and there's nothing that I'm winning in. God is saying that if you wait quietly on him, he will give you victory. He's also saying that if you have no hope, if you're sensing that there's no reason for tomorrow, he's telling you today that if you wait quietly on him, he will give you the hope you need. He is the hope that you need. Waiting quietly on him is so necessary. The last verse, turn to Lamentations. 
chapter 3, verse 26, written by a prophet Jeremiah after Isaiah said, if you don't turn to God, this is going to happen. You're going to go to the Babylonians. The Israelites go to the Babylonians, and, and here Jeremiah is writing this lamentation, this lament about what has happened. And here he's reflecting on him and his relationship with God. And here's what he says in verse 26. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. hear that? This is good. It's good to wait quietly for the Lord. This is good. This is hard. That's waiting on God. I don't know if you remember, uh, one of the, maybe one of the last times I preached, I talked about uh, our waking day being about 18 hours if you get eight hours of sleep. Uh, some of us get more, some of us get less. But with 18 hours, if you divide that up in five-minute increments, every five minutes is one two-hundredth of your day. So there's almost 200 five-minute periods throughout your day, waking day. What might happen if we take this literally, where if we wait quietly for God for five minutes, even for a couple of days, what might God speak to you? What might God do in you and around you by simply being quiet. So we know that we need to wait on God, and we know that these are some ways, three ways that we can wait on Him biblically. I ask you, what are you waiting on God for in 2020? We're but a few days away from a new year. What are you personally waiting on God for? Maybe it's an emotional renewal because you just feel dead inside and have for a long time. Maybe it's a, a new relationship with your spouse or your children or grandchildren. Maybe you're looking for hope again to move forward. Maybe it's a job situation that you just can't seem to understand or fix yourself. Maybe it's the looming retirement that you're excited for but also nervous about. So what are you waiting for, God, in 2020? I'm going to make a challenge to all of us. Starting as soon as you can, as soon as you are able, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, but let's just take a couple of days. Try to do it in, in a row. Find a quiet and comfortable place in your home. Maybe it's at a cabin. 
find a quiet, comfortable place, and I ask you to keep your TV off, turn off the radio, put your phone on silent. If you have small kids, I encourage you to try to give them a quiet time of five minutes in their room or wherever it is, somewhere uh, away from you. Maybe it means having a notepad next to you and writing down your request to God in just one sentence or two. And then wait there silently for five minutes. It may not be easy for you, probably easier for others than some. But remember, that when we are waiting on God, He is working for you. Don't forget that. See, 2020 is right around the corner, and let's make it the year that we are waiting on God patiently, expectantly, and quietly. Would you pray with me? Father, when I come to you in prayer, oftentimes I go right to requests or uh, words. And this whole concept of being quiet before you is a challenge for me. And I trust, Lord, that, it's, uh, that I'm not alone in this room. We like things now. We like to see results. We don't like to wait for them. Our culture says that waiting is bad. But Lord, I pray that you work in us in a way that challenges us to see that waiting on you is very, very good. Would you help us today and tomorrow as we choose to sit in silence, as we choose to turn off our TV and our radio, as we choose to set our phone aside and just stare out the window, Would you refresh us? Would you give us victory in our lives where we've been defeated? Would you give us hope where we felt hopeless? Would you, as we wait, would you work? We trust that that's what you have for us. We thank you that you care for us. We praise you today. In Jesus' name, amen.